Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We'll come back tonight and be present in the service. You have your Bibles? I'll find one there in the pew in front of you. We'd like for you to turn to the 13th chapter of Genesis. You might want to keep your Bible open because we're also going to turn to the 18th chapter for this morning. We'll read just a few verses to set the stage for the message. Genesis chapter 13, beginning at verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Thou wilt take the left hand, and I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zohar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Cana, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Let us bow as we pray. Our Father, we know not the condition of any person, the heart of any individual in this congregation this morning. But you know, you know if we're right with you, you know if we're saved, you know if we have responded to the invitation to receive you as Lord and Savior. And our Father, we pray especially for any person who might be present, who has never really yet said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. May there be something in these words that are spoken or read that would cause the yearning of the heart of us all to be turned unto thee. Take us into your care and bless us in a special way. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're all probably well acquainted with the story of Abraham. How that he lived in the Chaldean mountains in a city by the name of Ur. And God called him to leave his homeland and go into a very strange country. God called him. God has never ceased to be in the calling business. He first of all calls people to receive his son Jesus Christ. And that call never ceases to be spoken 
to the hearts of people who have never said yes. But he also calls people who have received him as Lord and Savior to follow where he might lead. We oftentimes think of preachers and missionaries, I called, as we are. And I believe earnestly the Lord reaches down and he talks to the hearts of individuals, the men and the women, says to them, I have a special place for you that I want you to fill in the work of my kingdom. Sometimes we think this call stops there, but it does not. Each of you, as a Christian, has a call. The Lord has a place for you in his kingdom as much as he had a place for Abraham. Do not forget that you have been called to serve the Lord. You first responded to the invitation to receive him as Savior, and now you are hearing somewhere in your life the invitation to serve the Lord in a capacity that he has selected. Are you yielding to it? Abraham left his home, went into a very strange land, so we come to know the promised land. He took with him a young man by the name of Lot, his brother's son. We're not told why. But as time progressed, the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham began to trust because there was not enough grass for the cattle. And this fast began to spill over so that there was near, nearly ready to be a, a disagreement, a fast between Abraham and Lot. It is not strange for us to realize that little fusses or little hindrances in our families have a way of permeating the entire family. Little disagreements by people on the fringes of the family began to be talked about and discussed until they become a subject that disintegrates the closeness of the family. That same thing happens within the church. The same thing happens within uh, our areas of work and wherever we might be. Abraham was wise enough to know that he could not possibly allow his family to be separated because there was a disagreement over such a frivolous thing as not having enough grass for the cattle. And so he and Lot discussed it, and Abraham said, Let there be no strife. If all of us would follow that pattern of Abraham, how much better our lives would be. We would agree that we will not trust with our family members or with our church family or with our people at work. He said, the land is too small to contain us and therefore let us separate and if you want to go to the left, then I'll go to the right or if you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abraham offered the opportunity for Latin to make a decision. I think it is a shame in the life of Lot, a young man, that he took advantage of his uncle. A 
And yet that is the thing that is happening in our world today. Many elderly people are abused by their children, by the younger generation, taken advantage of and stripped of the things that they have worked for for so many years. I read just this week that there are eight million non-physical abuses of parents by their children annually in the United States. I'm going to preach about that in a few weeks. Turn the sermon on that first subject. Age deserves respect, but it was not given here. Lot did not remember, because he had never heard these words, but he certainly was taught this from his youth up. The words of the Lord in the New Testament, honor thy father and thy mother, a quote from the commandments, which says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. If we would consider other people before we take in consideration our own needs, how much better this world would be. If we would cease in our selfishness to think that we have to look after number one first, and would rather be concerned about the welfare and the benefits of people around us, we would be a loving society instead of one that's full of hatred. Paul said to the Philippians, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And he meant this exactly that very fact. Do not be so concerned about your own welfare that you cannot look out first and foremost for the welfare of others. But Lot was not that type of individual. So he cast his eyes out over the plains, and it was well watered, and there was plenty of grass. He looked behind him, and he saw rugged mountains, sparse vegetation, and not much rainfall. And he thought, I will go to the plain and let my uncle take the rugged part. But I think there was something else in his mind. He had made a visit down to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He liked what he said. A free living society when everything goes. When you can do as you please. When there are no restraints upon your morals. And he liked it. He decided, I'll pitch my tent towards Sodom. Because my uncle is an old die hard who doesn't understand that as a young person I must sow my wild oats. Have you not thought and said the same things the teaching, the religion, the church, the faith of my father's Adults, we are inferring this to our kids and we are allowing them to grow up thinking that the church and its faith has no value. And they ought to go to the cities and sow their wild oaks and experience what life is all about. I think we are leading them down the path of destruction when we allow them to make these decisions on their own. There is not a, an adult here that will inquire of his 
child whether he wants to go to the doctor when he is ill. But I dare say there are parents in this congregation this morning that will ask their children if they want to go to church. And I ask you what is more important in a young person's life, his physical well-being or his spiritual future. We spend more time worrying about the diet of our kids as far as food is concerned than we do worrying about the diet of our kids as far as their reading material is concerned. We will allow our kids to read things that they ought never to see in their lifetime, and we will not even so much as hint that they ought to read God's Word. And then we wonder why our society is, quote, gone to the dogs. It's because we have not insisted that the teachings, the church, and the faith of our fathers is still good enough for our kids. No, our faith is not old-fashioned. We may sing different songs, preach different ways, have different billions, do it in, and all of those things that the gospel of Jesus Christ has never changed. The Lord said, I am the Lord God, I change not. We're going to have to come someday back to the reality that the faith of our fathers must be the faith of our children. Now Sodom was a wicked city. Lot knew it. But he went anyway. All of us have heard the phrase, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. I said that to my kids. My dad said that to me. And my kids, I'm sure, are going to say that to their kids. And there's truth to that. But I want to make it even more important than talking about a mass, a physical fire. When we flirt with sin, we're going to get burned. Ralph did not intend to do anything other than to move down towards Sodom and get close enough that we could casually go in on Saturday night to see what was going on in town. But we soon discovered that he was not pitching his tent outside the city. He had already moved into town, and tonight we're going to talk about his move into town and the problems that it caused him. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Go back to Abraham. We're up tied all together tonight in the 18th chapter. I'm not going to read any of it, but I want you to follow some of it. I'm going to make reference to several verses. Lot now has left Abraham and has gone to Sodom. And Abraham is in the city in his tent standing in his doorway, and all of a sudden he saw three men in front of him in verse 2, 
three men stood by him. We now know that one of those men was the Lord Jesus himself. The other two were angels. All of a sudden, there stood the Lord, the Son of God, in the presence of Abraham, and he did not know it. Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians, and all of a sudden, on the road to Damascus, he came face to face with Jesus Christ. Most of us have already come face to face with him. If you have never come face to face with Jesus Christ, listen, you will in this life or you will in the other life, but everybody will come face to face with Jesus Christ. Everybody. You will not escape that confrontation. I wonder how many times that you and I, as Christian people, I really wonder this, have had a meeting with Jesus Christ and we didn't even know that's who we were talking to. We just thought it was a stranger. Just somebody that came along. That's what Abraham thought. Just three men passing through the community who just happened to go by this he, being the generous man he was, invited them in that they might eat with him and rest and be saved his tent. They accepted the invitation. And a strange thing happens while they're in that tent. They announced to Abraham, who is nearly a hundred years old, and whose wife is ninety, you're going to have a son. <laughs> Here's Sarah. She's been listening. Snickering. Nine years old, and I'm going to be a mother. Abraham doesn't say that he laughed, but I, I wonder what he thought about the subject. The spokesman of the group, the Lord Jesus, whom Abraham does not yet know, I'm sure. He said, why did your wife laugh? Sarah steps out into their presence. I didn't laugh. I make a point of this. Any lie is to God. Any wrong is against God. And God is keenly aware of that frivolous thing that we think it is, such as I didn't laugh. We have a white line, you see, that doesn't really amount to anything, but the Lord took it seriously and said to Sarah, but you did laugh. When you and I Try to hide those sins and those lies and those cheats and can say to each other, I didn't do that, I would never do that, 
And the Lord knows all the time that in fact we did do that. The scripture says, be sure your sins will find you out. The older I get, the more I'm convinced that that happens. There aren't very many things in my life that I can think back upon that I did wrong, but what somehow or other came out. But whether or not they ever came out to man makes no difference because the Lord is keenly aware of it. Aren't you going to have a child, Abraham? But this really is not the Lord's purpose. Basically, in coming down this way to the earth, his mission was to, to go to Sodom and there destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their great wickedness. Look over in verse 20. He said to Abraham, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great because of their sin is very grievous. I will go down now and see whether they have gone all together according to the cry of it. What the Lord is saying is, I have heard the cry of the sin of that city. Now I'm going to go down there personally and find out if in fact they are as wicked as I am hearing they are wicked. And if they are, then I'll know it, he says. Now, this excites Abraham because he remembers that his nephew Lot just went down there. And the Lord is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham gets excited and notice in verse 22 that he stood before the Lord. And he starts his plea. We don't have time to go through it all. You will remember that Abraham said, Oh, you surely will not destroy that city. Suppose there are 50 righteous people in that city. Will you destroy it? Will you destroy those 50 righteous? What I want you to notice is that Abraham had influence with God. And the Lord said, No. I'll not destroy it if there are city if there are 50 righteous. Why did he change his mind? Because Abraham had influence. Listen, folks, we have influence with God if we will use it. The Lord listens to his people. Moses had influence with God when he said, If you're not going to forgive my, these people of their sin, then just take my life out. He had influence with God, and God forgave the sin of Israel because of the plea of, of Moses. And so he does here. And so Abraham says, well, uh, he wasn't quite sure that 50 was the right number. Suppose there's 40. Lord said, I'm not going to that city if there's 40 righteous. He thinks, uh-oh. There may not be that many. How about 30? All right, 30. 20, yeah, 20. And Lot said, uh, Abraham said, one more time. Ten? Will you save it for ten? And the Lord said, okay, Abraham. If I find ten righteous people, I will destroy that city. Abraham quit. 
Why didn't he go to five? The scripture doesn't say it. You know why I think he didn't go to five? I think there were ten people in Lot's family. And I think you believe that all of them were saved. We don't know that. We know that he had two unmarried daughters. We know he had at least two married daughters. And he had two sons-in-laws. That's six. And Lot and his wife are eight. I don't know that there's ten, but I'm, I'm the throwing the theory out here that there may have been more in the family than we are acquainted with. Abraham got sick now. He was concerned about the welfare of his family. If there is a nation field, if there is a calling that you and I have been called to, it certainly ought to be to preach the gospel to the members of our own family by the way we live our lives. Is there anybody in this world that you want saved more than the last of your own family? Ought not our energies be expended to the point that we would stand in the presence of God and plead with all our heart for the life of our loved ones? Now, I earnestly believe that there is many an unsaved man and woman in this world who is still here because there's some member of the family that stood before God on their behalf and are praying for their salvation, and God is saying like he did to Abraham over this city, I will not destroy it because you have asked. He's saying, I will not take the life of that one because you've asked. Someone has asked me why it is that lost people seem to live longer than saved people. And I think it's tied up in that subject. I don't know if we can prove that statistically. But I think the Lord is very slow to act against the lives of people who are not saved. And oftentimes it's because of some righteous person standing before God and pleading for that life. This church has prayed in these months past that I've been with you for the souls of many people, and we've seen them respond, not because of my preaching, and not because of this service, but because of the prayers that have come from people who have stood before God and helped that person out. Let's do it tomorrow. Pray without ceasing for the few lost of your family that may still be out of the fellowship of God. And we'll see what happens to Lot tonight in our service. We need Abraham's. Abraham's who will stand in the very presence of the Lord himself and plead for the family. Let us do the same. Let us pray.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.